Welcome to Limited Time Only, the podcast for anyone who feels there aren't enough hours in their life. Limited Time Only is a mix of chat, comedy sketches and interviews with interesting people. We hope that we will make you smile, laugh and feel a bit brighter about the whole life, death and everything in between malarkey. Essentially, we're dissecting the human condition, just using a rubber chicken rather than a scalpel. I'm Esther and I'm Susie and And this this is Limited Limited Time Time Only. This week it's time for... Mindless scrolling. I don't know why you say goodbye. I've got that. I say hello. 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 Goodbye. Why you say goodbye? I'm saying hello. No, but I'm saying goodbye. No, but I'm saying hello. I don't know why you're saying goodbye. I'm saying hello. I'm saying goodbye. (laughs) Before social media, we had actual conversations on the phone, yeah. which I feel almost disappeared. I actually am so not used to people phoning me <laughs> that if they do phone me, I kind of freak out a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it has to be pre-arranged. Yeah. And uh, I won't answer the phone generally if I just get a phone call out of the blue. <laughs> I won't at all. It doesn't matter who it's from. I'm like... No, this has not been arranged. How dare you? It's because the phone is with us all the time. So it feels like there yeah. it feels like an intrusion. Whereas when it used to be a house phone, you could miss it because you wouldn't be there. And I don't know, it was like a pastime <laughs> rather than a yes. intrusion. Absolutely. My phone is 90% of the time left on silent because I find any pinging makes me feel quite stressed out and if the phone rings I I feel stressed out and I've noticed that if I leave my phone in another room on charge and I can leave it for a whole afternoon then I'll go back and sometimes there's no notifications but sometimes there's loads and people sort of find it odd like well well, how how come you haven't got back to me soon or how come you haven't seen it or read it and I find that odd yes it's pressure Leave me alone. Yeah, it is. It's the it's the intrusion. I remember hearing Stephen Fry say once that he didn't like telephones because it's something that's sort of shouting, pay me attention now. I want your attention now. I'm literally ringing. Yeah. No, it's a massive distraction and a massive procrastination tool. Yeah. But also, yeah, it's a little ding, 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 ding. Even if it's somebody I like. Yeah. If it's ping, 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 they can ping off i'm a big whatsapper somebody who leaves vocal messages because i find it's just quicker and easier and you can get the right tone across without having to sort of sit and think is this exactly what i'm trying to say one of my girlfriends and i we leave each other really long ones and then it becomes oh i've got to listen to that for 15 minutes and i want to hear them and i love to hear them <laughs> the sort of four of us have left 15 minute ones it's like well that's an hour to listen to it is almost like listening to a podcast then yeah which i quite like i think probably you are the person i leave most voice messages for yes that makes me feel special yeah well you are special <laughs> oh, but that, that, i i will do the washing up while listening to your message yes so it's like having my own personal esther show on my phone that's it that's lovely my second reason that life was better before social media is that i think we used to live in the moment more yeah because we, we didn't have that distraction there wasn't anything to draw you away from a task or a thought or a conversation, the sort of pull of the phone, the draw of the phone. It's just so many things yeah. that you can distract yourself with and not actually just be present. Absolutely. I think a lot of people have ADD now. I think they've yes. said that. I can almost pinpoint the moment where I suddenly 
found it very difficult to be present and my kids picked up on it I just started working with somebody but I was a stay-at-home mum I was I was helping out with um, a drama school in Birmingham and I didn't have email on my phone but both my kids were born so it's maybe 2010 so my laptop was open constantly because I'd kept going back to check the email to then respond and my daughter was talking to me and she must have been three or four and she said to me mummy you're not listening to me and mm. you're not here or something and in that moment I thought she's right and I don't think I've ever been the same since since then because I mm. I struggled to be present it's like it's opened a door in my head so that any thought I have oh I've got a star in my eye what's triggered that I'll just google it oh I wonder if so-and-so's missed me oh I better get back to so-and-so so it's like there's all these uh, tabs in my brain open constantly yeah. and a new thought pops in and I have an inability to be present and I and it's a mm. lot of that is largely down to my phone I think that's a very common yeah. experience the third thing I wrote down is that before social media I didn't know when someone I didn't like was doing something I'd be envious of. Yeah. I mean, if we took the percentage of envy before social media and percentage of envy in the world post-social media, it's going to be a big difference yeah. and it's not healthy. It's the comparison, isn't it? Instagram is my jam and I follow good accounts, accounts that make me feel happy, but equally their houses all look perfect because that's what we all do. Who is going to put a picture of their house looking really scruffy or a, a bad day because... You, you look at it, oh, I've tied it, doesn't it look nice? You take a photograph. I look at these pictures and before my day started, I'm feeling like, oh, my house isn't as tidy as that. I should tidy my house. And all these yeah. thoughts have crept into my mind before my day started. And then I find as soon as I check my phone in the morning, I'm going back to it constantly. Whereas if I get up and I don't look at it, and I do jobs, yes. I'm less inclined to look at it. It's like going to the toilet after yes. after you've drunk a pint of beer. I was going to say exactly the same thing. That is so weird. That is so weird that you said that. My husband and his friends used to say that all the time. As soon as you have a wee after you've started drinking, that's, that's it. it. You can't stop. Yeah. That's so yeah. weird that you thought that. <gasps> like E.T. and Elliot. Oh, who's who? Yes, well, <laughs> depending How on the long day. Finger? Um, <laughs> I'm a bit hungover today, so I'd probably be E.T. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, those are my three reasons why life was better before social media. Yeah. Two of yours are, are the same as two of mine, which is I've written it's a massive distraction. And yeah. I hate the fact that I really struggle to get lost in a book now uh, I've really mm. got to get into it be really hooked in I love reading but I do it so much less because I can look at my phone and I get this instant hit from looking at different things and when I was a kid I was bored and I used to have there's somebody I know who we were both talking about the fact that we like to sit and look out the window during the day and would I suppose it would have been like some sort of meditation and she'd say I have to have yeah. my gazing time every day and I said yes I'm exactly the same but I don't do that anymore because there's always something that I'm looking at and I, I become very tired but I'm not physically tired and I haven't created anything I've just filled my brain I've overloaded it with too much information yeah. it's hard to sit and gaze at something yeah. without then thinking I must just text uh, yeah. so and so back absolutely I don't need to know any of the stuff no. I look up really and when I do get into the flow of something the other day I, I um, had a bit of a fit of rage and had to have some time out but <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I needed a couple of hours to myself and I, I went upstairs and I sewed for two oh, hours yeah. got on the sewing machine and I got really into it um, 
And it was lovely. And I was just in the flow of it. And getting into flow, yes. that sense of flow is so rare and so wonderful. It's such a great feeling and so energizing. Yeah. It's a joy. And I think we could all do it far more often if we didn't have that distraction of our phones. I can't even go for a wee without taking my phone with no, me. No, I often listen to you while I'm doing a wee. <laughs> We interrupt this programme with a U-bash. Anyone who is able to have a cold shower, do yoga practice, meditate, jog 5k, write in their journal, make a gratitude list and empty their bowels daily is a figment of your imagination. The advice is to carry on being mediocre. Goodbye. I'm aware of how much time me and my husband, I mean I have to say he's, he is worse than me. I is he? think he plays a lot of games on his phone and he watches lots of things on his phone as well so yeah. it's it's very very present and i i'm determined that by the time they get to the age where they're going to have a phone we've got to have stepped away from ours a lot more so that we're not showing them the behavior that we don't want them to emulate yeah my husband's given up social media pretty much, but he does play a lot of games. He always seems to be looking at stuff or getting stuff off eBay and he does Strava, he does a lot of cycling and running. And yeah. um, and I get, sometimes I get so angry with him. I'll be trying to talk to him and he'll be looking at his phone and I'll just stop and I'll say, and he'll say, no, carry on, I am listening. I'll say, I don't feel like you are though. So just, just finish what you're doing and then yes. let's have a conversation. Yeah. Apparently, everyone's sex lives have declined drastically because people are taking their phones to bed and are looking on oh. the phone separately yes. instead of getting <gasps> jiggy with it. <laughs> and that sort of concerns me as well because I am filtering what I'm looking at. Everything, I follow certain people who have the same beliefs as me. On Facebook, I'm friends with certain people. I am having posts that are being sent in my direction that back up my belief system. So we're all becoming very insular in our beliefs. So my husband's on his phone looking at completely different stuff that is his world. I'm looking at stuff that is my world. We've all got yeah. our own little world that have been created through these phones and we don't talk there's no crossover no not at all what do you find that's positive well it's kind of like <laughs> the same things yeah so i don't have to talk to anyone on the phone <laughs> i don't need to catch up with anyone because i know what they're doing um mm. or what they're what they're saying that they're they're doing um I can numb the monotony of the present moment by mindlessly scrolling through other people's accounts of them not really existing, just posting. <laughs> not existing, just posting. That's um, that's modern life, isn't it? It is, yeah. The third thing that I wrote down was that I can boast now about whatever I'm doing in order to make people I don't like feel jealous. So it's kind of <laughs> swings and roundabouts. Um, you know, you've got to take, take your kicks where you can get them. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Particularly <laughs> Corona time. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's... I love that. That's brilliant. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tina. And I'd like to share with you something that's made a real difference to my life. Internet trolling. I've been trolling for around 12 months now and I have to say I absolutely love it. It's very convenient. You can do it from anywhere. From your bed, bath, in the middle of the year six leavers assembly. I've made some lovely chums online. I don't know their real name, but when I had that injunction taken out against me, they supported me like a family. At Covidiot67, I'm talking about you. <laughs> He's a hoot. Best of all, the weights dropped off me. 
I tried everything, lighter life, Atkins, cabbage soup, vodka, all to no avail. But now, when I'm having an existential crisis about my own mortality, instead of stuff, stuff, stuffing my face full of biscuits, I just whip out my tablet and start tap, tap, tapping on the keypad. I would heartily recommend trolling to anyone, really. Right, moustache, I'm giving a talk about self-respect at my local community centre. Oh, someone's let their dog poo all over my front garden. Again. Ugh, some people. My positives are very similar to yours. It's good that it's connecting people and you can meet people or find out about things that you wouldn't have necessarily been able to before. You can make yeah. connections. You can help create community. So I think that's a, a, a positive and building a business or whatever you can market and network and um and sometimes when i go onto instagram i might see something that's just really joyous and that makes me feel really happy uh, yeah. or, or changes the way i think about things it could be something that somebody's written or a little video or something and i say oh wow yeah i've never really appreciated that yeah i think those are all positives i think largely it's detrimental because we're not quite developed enough as animals to deal with them and uh, we don't really have an off switch I've heard Chris Evans um, talk quite a lot about the fact that he gave up his phone uh, a year or two ago and he just has an iPod so that he can listen to podcasts I've talked a lot about giving up my phone but uh, it's just there are certain things I know so I I wanted to get an old Nokia you know the old old style because they are selling them uh, for for the modern modern age um but it's difficult <laughs> to make it that break difficult. i mean i wonder if we did a challenge of not having our phone for a whole week how that's would we a really cope? good idea so that's what they did gave up social media for a week they even played with their kids for once here's what happened dear one in the big susie house i feel like i'm being denied a basic human right um my life is essentially meaningless without Twitter. Oh, God. Dear two, not as bad today, um, but I have touched my phone at least 50 times and it's not even nine o'clock in the morning. Oh, dear, so um, it's a lot of touching in the day. <coughs> day three, I have just checked my phone usage and it's up by 30% to five hours a day. WTF? Day four in the social media experiment, or trial, as I like to call it. It's um, it's all right today, but I have left 62 WhatsApp voicemails for Esther, and it is only five o'clock in the morning. Day five. I have fully embraced the Twitter silence. Um, today, I have listened to loads of great music instead. Um, oh, my goodness, I've missed NSYNC. Day six. I'm not missing it at all today, really. And I've actually had a conversation with my husband. <laughs> day seven, the final day, which I'm kind of sad about, actually, because it's been good to have had peer pressure um, to stop me from looking at social media. It'd be nice to think that I would only look at it maybe once a week from now on. But we all know what's going to happen as soon as uh, the clock ticks on to one minute past midnight. I am going to be all over it. Absolutely no willpower whatsoever. Day one on avoiding social media. Esther is struggling quite a bit. Um, I'm finding this really hard. 
I just keep finding myself picking my phone up constantly, seeing what messages I've got that have come through, and then sort of switching off for a second and then clicking on Instagram and then going, ah, and getting out before I see anything. I don't have a Facebook app, so that's easier. I have to go through the browser, but I can still just go through the browser and click Facebook. It's easy. Facebook's not so much of an issue for me, but I've watched a lot of YouTube videos. And um, I have gone on Pinterest, but I've just checked with Susie and Pinterest would class as social media. So I've had to dump Pinterest, but I've been all over that as well because I, I just need that fix. Wednesday on social media avoiding week. So I'm not thinking about it quite as much, but I am still finding myself clicking on things and not really being aware I'm doing it. But it has reduced quite considerably. Um, I'm checking the news a lot, which I don't normally do. I normally check the news once a day, get the headlines, but I don't normally dwell too much on the news because I just think it's prone to make you a bit stressed, isn't it, and rise the drama. But I am engaging a lot more with the news because I can't go on social media. Friday, on avoiding social media week, I'm not missing it, actually. And I'm not completely convinced that I will want it back. I'm still occasionally finding myself click on Instagram, but not much. I'm able to sit through a programme now without having to, when it gets the adverts, check my phone as much. I'm getting a lot of work done, which is brilliant, and I'm feeling more focused. So that was that. They were both fully hooked on social media again within 48 hours. I miss my mum and Auntie Esther. I did a job a couple of months ago and um, I had to get the train and it, I was going somewhere I'd never been before and I forgot my phone. And I got to the station and I thought, oh, oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> I can't go back to the house because I will miss the train and I'll be late for the job. But I'm not totally sure where I'm going. But I had my Easter card. Luckily, I don't use my phone for travelling. But I thought, I'm just going to have to do this. I'm just going to have to do this. It's possible. Yes. Have faith. So I, I stayed calm and uh, I got on the train. I knew I was going to Brixton, so that was a help. And then I, and I remembered the name of the studio, which I was very pleased about. But I then had to sort of ask somebody for directions. The shock. I had to ask someone to help me. Yeah. But I did and I found it. And I was like, oh, it's actually fine. And my husband said something very interesting. I got home and I said, you'll have noticed I left my phone behind. And I said, but I stayed really, really calm, which I was really surprised about. And I think part of that was the mindfulness course I'd been doing. But part of it, Joel said, um, do you think that was because you didn't have your phone with you? So you couldn't text anybody to tell them you were panicking? Oh, yeah. You couldn't project your anxiety onto somebody else through the medium yeah. of your phone. I thought, yes, it probably is. If it had been anything else, I'd have immediately left a voicemail or texted going, oh, no, the train's really late. <laughs> but if you just just deal with it. Just Absolutely. deal with it. It was a good experience in a way. Although I did, I, I got a little bit of a sweat on. I think he probably hit the nail on the head because I have a tendency to message my, well, not so much now because he works from home all the time, um, <laughs> but um, but I would message him sort of constantly, just random thoughts or things yeah. throughout the day. And, and, then I'd, and then I would think to myself, do I need to tell him this? Because you've got nothing to talk about at the end of the day. If you tell them all your stresses. I've always got something to talk about. <laughs> We get into bed and I'll say, what would your last meal be? Or if you could be a shoe, I mean, it's not a shoe, but, you know, completely. And he just goes, I just want to go sleep. I usually do it when um, my husband will be watching something with his headphones on and I'll keep going, Joel, <laughs> do you think we could get a new tablecloth? <laughs> something, you know, just something absolutely 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Get whatever you. It's a good time to yes. inquire about making a big purchase because, I mean, obviously not off tablecloth. <laughs> what sort of life do I lead? And now, something to make you feel better about your own life. A documentary. The voices you're going to hear are the interviewee's own, but their names have been changed to those of actors. I'm Sir Patrick Stewart. It started off just as a bit of fun. A way to relax after a hard few minutes doing whatever, really. I never thought I'd get... addicted. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. I'm Matt Baker from Countryfile. I'm a social media addiction counsellor. Sir Patrick contacted me when she'd got onto the really hard stuff. Facebook is one thing, but TikTok, it's like crack. I couldn't function without posting about it. I even had a whole Pinterest board dedicated to my stools. And I don't mean the bar kind. Our first sessions were conducted entirely through WhatsApp messages. We were in the same room, but Sir Pat could only communicate through the medium of emoji. Sad face. My kids got sick of me photographing everything they did for the gram, so I made cardboard cutouts of them as stand-ins. In many ways, I preferred them to the real thing. No back chat. Dancing's a bit stiff, though. The social media black market is thriving. Pat's got 28 different Snapchat handles. Prolific tweeters are preyed upon by Twitter account traders, or twats. And there are plenty of those on Twitter. I went cold turkey and gave up all my devices. But then I found an old PC in the loft and hacked into Friends Reunited. I messaged Stephanie Ballard from the year below because she borrowed my Kylie's Greatest Hits CD in 1994 and I wanted it back. She replied that I should be so lucky. So I changed her status to I am a silly bum bum. I've always wanted to call her that. I started documenting Paddy's progress through Facebook Live videos. They were really popular, especially the bits with the dancing cardboard kids. I realised I couldn't allow her to be completely cured as I'd lose all my Facebook followers and my life would be devoid of meaning. As a reward for not poking anyone for a month, my counsellor... What's her name again now? Oh, yeah. Country Files' Matt Baker said I could go back on TikTok. I lost two days. But I did learn to sing a sea shanty in four-part harmony. The kids did their best, but they don't have working mouths, so... Facebook Live views have taken a dip recently. My former client has said she doesn't need me anymore. Not now she's got a sponsorship deal with the UK's leading cardboard manufacturer. I still get likes, though. Let me check. It's 34 today. Let me just check again. It's still 34. And again, uh, yep. We've got a YouTube channel now called The Flat Pack. The filming's great fun, as long as we stay away from naked flames. My human kids are a bit gutted, though, that their one-centimetre-thick likenesses are earning 100 grand a year instead of them. I'm available for social media addiction therapy sessions. In fact, I'd love some. I might DM myself. I'm just checking again. Still 34. If anyone ever tells you social media is a waste of time... Take a photo of my YouTube page, circle the 15 million followers under the video, add the winking face with the tongue hanging out emoji and tweet it back to them. Hashtag send help. <laughs> Laughing emoji. I'm uh, just going to check one more time. Oh. did have an, an incident once. I went onto Instagram and um, I was scrolling across the top and I accidentally ended up in a live for a comedian and there were only three people in there. 
And I just didn't mean to. It was just the timing of it. And there were three of us in there, but she just kept saying (laughs) quite aggressive about it, asking us to interact with her. And I was thinking, I didn't mean to be in here. (laughs) I don't know how to leave. Oh, gosh. I've never done that. I don't even know how you do that. All along the stories across the top, lives pop up. I hit to go into the stories across the top and she'd started a live. I got stuck there for 25 minutes because I was scared to leave. (laughs) too nice too nice I was just like oh god I just she's obviously finding this difficult but no one's joining it and um, oh god I'm just gonna have to and then then she was saying you know what come on interact with me and being all like this and I was thinking oh I don't I don't have anything to say I wasn't in the end I just let it run whilst I wasn't looking at it it's so awkward oh my goodness so we've sort of come to the conclusion that it's essentially awful yeah social media we should all give up our phones and crochet (laughs) yeah we'd know we're not listening (laughs) to this because podcasts aren't allowed but you see Chris Evans he got rid of his phone but he kept the podcasts ah good old Chris good old Chris knows his stuff thanks for listening Chris Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. This is my first podcast. Oh, really? Maybe the first of many, who knows? Well, let's hope so. This is sort of our, yes, our first podcast as well, really. What am I getting into? Have you got a social media issue? Then you need a social media genie. And today's guest, Hannah Hassack, has been at the helm of social media for businesses for the last 13 years. She believes that social media is about human connection, not numbers, and that a holistic, personalised approach is how businesses and individuals alike can really get the best out of it. We wanted to talk to her about the psychology of the like button and how to navigate social media in the most positive way. So welcome to the show, Hannah Hassack. I've been looking at all your Instagram posts and I felt that actually not just the social media guidance, they're kind of guidance for life, really. And I was like, because initially I thought, holistic, how is it going to be holistic? You know, social media is the least holistic thing. I'm kind of palpitating at the thought of it. Um, But actually, I found your posts really helpful and balanced and really changed my view about social media just from looking at a few of them. so thank you very much. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. I'll keep posting that. I mean, sometimes I get really fed up and think, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not doing any more content, but obviously I have to lead by example. Yeah. So yeah. even if just one person's taken something positive from it, then that's good. That's the thing, isn't it? My husband, um, he's been making some music. Uh, he's put it on SoundCloud and he posted it on Facebook uh, yesterday. And he's just spent the whole of the last two days being completely disappointed because he's only had five likes. So that comes down to who your audience are. So, you know, if you want your friends and family to see it, then you might want to whip it on Facebook. But if you're wanting a bit of a broader reach, you know, Instagram's massive for for, create, for creators. Yeah. But actually, you know, the thing that I was thinking was, and this is a conversation I have with brands all the time. Well, it's two things. It's what's your actual goal? Because you're not going to overnight you know, change the world and suddenly have, you know, thousands of people like your posts. It's a bit like building a house and it's very brick by brick. It's brand awareness initially and you have to give people the opportunity to kind of, first of all, go, oh, so this guy's posting music and then next time they might be like, okay, he's posted a few of these now. Like I might have a look at what that's about. And then a bit further down the road, if he's talking to the right people who like his music, they they might actually like the post, but you're not going to go from from not posting anything to like suddenly everyone... You know, it, so it's kind of that, it's remembering it's a journey. What we see is the big brands and influencers who yeah. will have loads of likes and loads of engagement. 
that's very unrealistic for most brands and businesses. So it's remembering it's a building blocks approach. It's brick by brick by brick. And it takes hard work, time and effort. There's yeah. a massive misconception that social media is going to change your life overnight. And I'm not afraid when I work with new clients to say to them, that's not what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah your Skittles or Nike, that's very unlikely that everyone's going to really, really care about what you're doing. And the other thing to remember is what is your goal? I'll talk to a business and they'll go, oh, our goal is to have 100 likes. And I'll say, but why? No, that's not your goal. That's a metric. So your goal is what do I actually want to achieve? And what your husband wants to achieve, I'm guessing, is to just get some awareness and get his music out there. And just having five likes doesn't mean he hasn't done that. You know, and it's knowing which metrics to look at, which match up with your goal. And likes and engagement isn't everything. And in fact, that, that can be quite superficial and distracting. On Facebook, I don't go on a fat lock, but also it's what is it? It's the algorithms. You see the same people's posts, don't you? So there are some people I think don't post anymore. And I think, I wonder what happened to them. And I'll click and then you can see they're actually doing loads of stuff. I just don't see it. Yeah, that's it. And I think there is this misconception that, you know, if someone sees your post and they like what you're doing, they are going to like it. But there's so many other things that that come into play. When I first went freelance, there's, there's, um, I've got loads of, fab colleagues who I used to work with in my last job and luckily I'm still able to work with them in a freelance capacity and so many of them will say like oh yeah I saw that post you did about that and it's really good and sometimes I want to say look just like it then yeah because it's really helpful to me if you like it also I want the like it makes me feel good about myself so like it I was gonna say because with the liking and the that that's where I find social media quite difficult I'm fine with social media but as soon as I post something I start to get Oh, the breathing gets a bit shallower. It's that obsessive yeah. aspect. Is that something that you get yourself out of? Because you must have quite a lot. Yeah. I mean, you're posting for lots of different people. Is it the same feeling? Definitely. And I have to remind myself what I tell my clients, actually, with regards to that. I mean, obviously, you know, I do work hard to make sure my clients get lots of likes. It's not like I get out of jail free card. I don't worry if it does really badly. <laughs> That's just what's supposed to happen. Um, Very canny. For myself, what I post, it depends. Like, for professionally, I'm quite confident because I get it. I did a post on Saturday that I thought was really good because it was all about, um, it was World Environment Day. It was all about how, did you know that 41% of consumers turn to social media to look for eco-friendly brands? Which I think is really interesting. So I posted about that. And I was like, this is a really strong post and it's ethical. And it got like seven likes. And I was like, oh my God. But I knew it's sunny, it's Saturday, it's hot term. Um, but then when I post on my personal account, I tend to post like once every couple of weeks, something quite meaningful. And I feel really vulnerable when I've done, and that's what it comes down to is you feel vulnerable. It's like, if you think about a, prof- a normal human conversation like this, if I just spoke and spoke and neither of you were responded, I'd start to feel really weird. And eventually I'd lose all my confidence and just stop speaking and run away. And that's what happens when you put something out on social media, you're talking, you're looking for human connection. That's what that like is. It's not because you think, oh, everyone thinks I'm great. It's a response, which is a natural human, um, you know, that we want that, don't we? So it, it absolutely stands to reason that, you know, when you don't get the likes or you, or you don't get that engagement, you feel a bit like, oh God, everybody hates what I've said. And it's it's really hard. And I honestly think we're still the cavemen of social media. You know, it's been around for what, 15 years, but that's actually not that long in the history of human communication. Mm. 
and it's we're really still learning like what does this really mean and what's the psychological thing that, that's going on and it takes a lot of confidence I think to post and that's why you know I do you know celebrities that like they have it really easy on social because every you know every, they've got all these likes and follows but actually like I think it's really hard what what people who are up there in the limelight have to do yeah do is really really difficult and I can see why a lot of celebrities now are just leaving social media because they just can't and I don't blame them. I think it's really tough. Well, do you know, I think it's probably the same feeling that I get on my birthday on Facebook. I get kind of overwhelmed by my 60 people who wish me happy birthday. I can't keep up with it. I can't. Am I going to respond to everyone? What do I put? Uh, do I have to put an individual response to everybody? Oh, my goodness, this is going to take my entire day. So I tend not to look at it on my birthday. I think it's I think what's difficult and the thing that we're still learning is to take quite a have a balanced response yeah. to what happens on social. So I know if I do a post on my personal account in particular, when I got engaged, I must have got 200 likes, which is basically about as many followers as I've got. So I was just, oh my God, life's great and <laughs> amazing. And everyone really loves me and John and everyone's just so happy. And then, you know, so you kind of go too far in your own mind, like your ego can kind of quite quickly go, whoop, and then the absolute opposite happens like you say if you if you just get a few likes or it doesn't quite get the response that you think it deserves you have a complete opposite and I think we do that a lot for me the key and I'm definitely getting more confident with social as I get more confident in myself and actually that's the thing that I would say is there is in my experience a direct correlation if you are someone who goes through life quite easily knocked or you know, you, you need a lot of reassurance, as we all do at different times in our life. And you're probably going to find that on social as well. Whereas if you're kind of quite, you know, steady and self-assured, I found that as I've got older, you know, now I'm in my mid-30s, um, I do, I find that I can um, balance my own response to my own social media because I'm just more confident and I just don't care as much. So mm. I think, again, it's about remembering that social media is just an online version of the world that we live in. And I think the thing that makes it really difficult about social is that it's so public. That's why it's so hard to take, because it's like everyone can see that I'm unpopular, you know, rather than just feeling it. So, <laughs> Except no one's looking at your posts, so they probably don't. Yeah, know. although no one actually cares about what's going on your page, because just bothered about their own page. So actually, no one cares. That's what I said to, that's what I said to my husband. Um, what What would you say are the real, the real positives of... Of social media I think for me again it comes down to what social media is ultimately about and it's human connection that is what social media is it facilitates human connection and we've kind of lost our way with it in many different respects you know especially for businesses and brands it's become about numbers and growth and that's something that Hannah Reed Social and my little business try and really fight against and try and bring people back to just remember that it's just a person talking to another person that's what it is yeah and that is ultimately what it's also really really good for so it makes it complicated and messy and not always a great experience because human connection isn't you know think about real life relationships or IRL relationships they're messy and they're a roller coaster and it's the same thing on social for anyone confused by modern acronyms, IRL stands for in real life. One might ask, what is real life? But when it's good and when it works, I think it can be fantastic. My absolute favourite community on social is Instagram. And yeah, me and that's too. That's a lot of the reason why I focus my efforts there because it's very easy to find birds of a feather on Instagram. And obviously, you know, I think on Twitter, I go out of my way to make sure that I'm not in an echo chamber. 
because I want to absorb news and I want to see different opinions. Whereas on Instagram, the way the algorithm and the way that the kind of search function works is you do naturally end up with this community of quite like-minded, supportive people who genuinely champion what you're doing. They want to see what you're doing for positive reasons. So I really think that it can be really great from that point of view. Like I get some of my most positive feedback on my business in particular from people on Instagram who they don't know me. We've never met. But it's very like, oh yeah, me too. And I know just what you're saying. So that's really great. The other way that I think social media is absolutely amazing is it's powered by the people. So if you think how much control the media, the traditional media has typically had, everything we saw was pretty much reliant on what, you know, what are the BBC reporting on? What are the what are the main newspapers reporting on? If if they weren't reporting on it, we might not, we, we probably didn't know about it unless it happened down the road. Whereas social media is powered by the people. So something could happen, you know, like now in Sydney and we'll know about it mm. within seconds, whether that's good news or bad news. And I think that can only be a positive thing. It can mean information overload. And it does mean that we're obviously exposed to things that we're kind of maybe not born. We're not born to know everything that's going on around the whole world. Yeah. But I think it's empowering. And actually, especially for women, it's been an incredibly empowering thing because it's given absolutely anyone who's got access to a digital device, a smartphone and the internet, mm. an equal voice. That's what, do, great. what do you think about when it comes to um, fake news? I do think we're vulnerable to it because I think it depends who you are, you know. Mm. Um, and that is another downside, I think, of social media is that it's hard to measure it for people who are potentially vulnerable or not everyone is as discerning about what they absorb. And it can be very easy to be kind of led down a certain path. And I think that that is quite a messy area for social. I, you know, the platforms themselves obviously have a responsibility within that. And I know they do take steps to kind of take links down if it looks like it's fake news. But I mean, that's almost impossible to 100% govern. But I think ultimately it comes down to each individual's right to kind of decide for themselves and, you know, the freedom of expression and all that kind of thing. But Again, a fake news is a fairly recent phenomenon, isn't it? It's kind of the last five or five years, maybe, that it's become particularly... Um, and Oh, God, in the last couple of years. I mean, especially the last year, it's just shown you how drastic that can be and how difficult it is to really get the truth about everything, you know, that's been going on with COVID and, and lockdown. And, you know, so and I don't think there's an easy answer to that. But something that I think is really, really important is that young people, so people coming up now into a world that we know, social media is not going anywhere. So I was, I was maybe 19, 20 when I joined Facebook and I didn't know what the hell I was getting into. And I wish I could go back to my younger self and just give me a little bit of guidance and go, right, don't post photos of every single night out that you ever <laughs> have where, you know, I mean, you're clearly not of this planet. You know, like you do want to go back and give yourself advice, but then... Um, I think that's really important that we do that for the generations coming up. So people yeah. who, are, who are in education now, yeah. I think it's about educating them and going, look, this is what social media is, but this is what you need to look out for. It's like with any life skill, cooking, finances, give people the practical skills to be able to make the best decision for themselves. And I think that's what we need to do for social media, but we haven't necessarily because we didn't know how messy it was going to get and how difficult it was going to get to navigate Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It has been an absolute ruddy delight to speak to you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been so lovely to chat to you both. And I'll like all your posts. Thanks, Susie. <laughs> Great, I'm going to write that down. <laughs>
throw out a question about what you would do with your time if social media didn't exist. There is quite a common theme, a lot of people saying they would read more. I mean, I read a lot of tweets. Yeah. Does that count? What do you mean? Books? What are books? Apparently, yeah. I mean, I've got some in the corner that are sort of gaining dust. Uh, Propping something up. Propping something up. Yeah, doorstop, doorstop. They look great. Don't know what's inside them. What are some of the ones that that you've got? I've got someone who'd do a lot more knitting. Oh. And they'd write letters and postcards again. Oh, I love a letter and a postcard. Some genuinely nice posts. You're good, actually. Love a letter. You do send a a letter. Give me a bit of stationery. I'm happy as a pig in poo. So nice. I've got Gareth here who would race ladybirds to the corner shop and back. Oh, Gareth. That is a good use of time. Gareth, that Mm. sounds wonderful. You could have a league and everything. Ladybird league. Ladybird league. Yeah. And a lead. Would you have a lead? Small ladybird lead. lead. (laughs) Tiny ladybird lead. Come on, Beryl. Come on, Beryl. Another one here from Andrew who, he says, um, if social media didn't exist, he would shout at strangers about what I'm eating, wearing, thinking, probably from somewhere high up. And he says, there's uh, a nice tree. There's a nice tree that I like. Oh. Um, to which I responded, that would be social treedia. Oh, Suze. <gasps> I mean, Fantastic. Oh, goodness. I was very pleased with that one. I, I, I would be. I think you deserve a massive pat on the back. But there's been a couple of comments like that. Uh, Matt said he'd go to his mate's house, ask to see his videos and pictures from that day. And I'd also asked him to pretend his life was amazing all the time. So I think we'd find a way to get those parts of social media back in yeah, our life. We'd get that back. And then there's some people doing quite practical things. So Marilyn said she would sort out 60 years of photos and digitalise all my father's and husband's slides, which, let's face it, that is a job. I've got so many photos to go in albums or that need printing off. And I just, God, it's just always drops the bottom of my list. I, I, oh, have, yeah. I, I still haven't done my son's baby album and he is 12. <laughs> He's probably quite glad about it, to be honest. <laughs> My daughter's first two years of her life are brilliantly full photo albums. And then my son, he's got half a completed yeah, album. You know, and that's that's the second child, isn't it? Yeah. Any second children out there? Yeah. 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 You'll understand. Your parents do love you. They just can't be bothered to sort your photos <laughs> into albums. Um, there are some, some positive things about social media that have come up. People would have said they wouldn't have so many connections. They've made loads of great friends yeah. over the last 15 years and interactions. We use it as a procrastinate, you know, to procrastinate with. What would we do instead? Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe all our houses would be really clean. A lot of people have said that. Anna said a lot more gardening and my house would be spotless 24-7. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. actually Gail said, I couldn't give up social media. It's a huge platform to raise awareness support groups etc i don't know i don't know how anyone knew about anything before well do you know i think this is the time we've all put it out there what we would do if social media didn't exist yeah let's just do it let's just come do on, it everybody. come on people let's get those ladybirds and go racing <laughs> come on beryl you have been listening to limited time only If you've enjoyed this episode, then why don't you share it with someone you think would enjoy it too? Please like, follow or subscribe so we can pop into your ears on a regular basis. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the podcast. Your glowing reviews will help to shape future episodes and help other people to find us. You can join the Limited Time Only Conversation on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And you can email us hello at limitedtimeonlypodcast.com. We'll be back for more next time. But for now... Thanks for listening, Chris.